Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast and our Scares and Dares episode where we review our horror movie, Scare of the Week, and give you the NFL player props we dare to make. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time and with me as always for our Scares and Dares episode is Senior Staff Writer Joanne Kong. How are you doing? Good. Hey everyone. Alright, we got plenty to talk about this week so... Hey, let's not waste any time here, shall we? Let's go ahead and get this thing rolling. All right. So last week, I won't recap, but we were 50%. We were. But that was not my fault. Jerry Judy went out with an injury. Right, right. But that being said, (laughs) we still place a bet. We were 50-50 last week. I apologize. We're going to do better this week. We're going to do better, folks. But before we get to that, We're going to talk about our horror movie scare of the week, the 2022 movie Smile, which is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. So Smile is um, an hour and 56 minutes, a little bit on the longer side for a horror movie. But you don't really feel it. No, no. You don't really feel that extra, like, 28 minutes. No, I agree. You don't really really feel that. But I usually say it's like a brisk hour and a half. It is. And And this is not a brisk movie. And usually an hour and a half is good for a horror movie. I agree. I agree. I agree. But this hour and 55 do tend to fly by. You know, this is certainly a little bit of foreshadowing here, folks. But um, certainly a a solid uh, horror movie entry for 2022. Directed by Parker Finn. And it is written by Parker Finn. And it uh, was released in theaters on September 30th of 2022 after doing the festival circuit and then released for streaming just recently on November 15th. And if you guys don't know what Smile is, they did a major like media circus with it. Yeah. Uh, where it was like a viral went, marketing campaign. Right. Where they went to uh, baseball uh, stadiums. Yep. They sat right behind the pitcher's mound, usually. No, behind the bat, behind the batter. I mean, behind the batter. Right. Sorry, behind the batter. Behind the pitcher's mound would be illegal. You cannot sit back there. They would throw you out. I apologize. (laughs) But, like, you would see two people standing up, having a really creepy smile throughout most of the game. Yeah, and it didn't didn't change. Yeah. Just just that creepy smile. So it was this campaign that they did – you know, for this movie. Right. And to be honest, like when we watched it, I did not realize what the movie was. And then when Hakun said, oh, don't you remember A, B, and C? And I'm like, yes, I do remember that. It was a memorable, yes. it was a memorable camp. If you saw it, go go ahead and Google it if yeah. you haven't seen it, because it, it, it does definitely leaves an impression. I mean, they were just standing there behind the batter and just like, smiling with the creepiest smile. It's freaky. It's definitely freaky. Okay, so I guess you can already guess that this movie concerns creepy smiles. I mean, not only is it called Smile, but, of course, the viral marketing campaign that he used have all the people with creepy smiles. So anyway, this movie is generally, and we're going to give you a little bit of background, as we normally do, and then we'll give you our thoughts on it, then we'll tell you what we like most and least about it. We'll give you our scare meter out of 10, and then we'll give you our star rating out of 4. But let's start a little bit of background on the movie. So this movie is about... Um, psychiatrist Rose Cotter, played by Susie Bacon, uh, who obviously has a lot going on in her life, including being engaged to her fiance Trevor, played by Jesse T. Usher, and having a moderately overbearing sister, Holly, played by Jillian Zinser. 
I don't know and, if she's so overbearing, but well, I mean, it's 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 left for the viewer to decide yeah. exactly what their relationship is. But at the beginning, there is a little bit of judgment that occurs, and it's very clear. But anyway, the the point is that um, she has a number of personal issues that she she's does. dealing with. You know? and at the beginning of the movie, she meets um, a patient, Laurie, Laura Weaver, who is played by Caitlin Staffy, uh, and who's had several days earlier witnessed her art professor committing suicide by hammering himself to death, which is pretty gruesome, pretty gruesome. So Laura claims uh, when she meets Rose that an entity taking the form of smiling people is stalking and telling her that she's going to die. So soon thereafter, Laura begins screaming hysterically, has a seizure. Rose calls for help, and then she sees Laura standing up and grinning. I won't tell you exactly what happened, but Laura then kills herself in front of Rose. So Rose then starts to have an experience which she believes to be hallucinations, but are absolutely frightening occurrences that she cannot explain, which leads her to, uh, or leads her supervisor, Dr. Morgan, decide played by Cal Penn, surprisingly, um, fearing for her mental health after witnessing such a traumatic event to ask her to take a week off. And, and we kept saying that it was really interesting seeing Cal Penn in such a serious role. I mean, he's been in serious roles before, right? He was in that TV show, right? Um, um, the one about Hannibal. And, and uh, uh, remember, he was on a team of investigators. Um, it's with, a different type of serious role, though. No, I know, but he played yeah. a cop that was a serious role. But this, he played a doctor as a serious role. But I'm saying there's some elements of... Uh, thriller elements in that. It wasn't a comedy. It wasn't a comedy, but at the same time, a different type of serious role. Right. But, but so that anyway, the Cal Penn being there is a serious role. We, yeah. we thought that was, he did a great job, but you know, obviously it was a little bit, it was interesting kind of seeing him in that role, particularly when this is such a, uh, a tense movie, so to speak. So anyway, the hallucinations Rose are seeing continue, uh, making Rose seem actually unhinged and dangerous to people around her including her fiancé, Trevor, and her sister, Holly. And after an incident at her nephew's birthday party, Rose visits her former therapist, Dr. Madeline Northcott, played by Robin Weigert. And Madeline suggests her problems stem from her abusive and mentally ill mother, whose death from an overdose she witnessed as a child. So as time moves from this point forward, she starts to have this overwhelming terror. It starts to take over her life. And ultimately, Rose has to or must in some way think about confronting her troubled past in order to potentially survive and escape her horrifying new reality. So I'm going to stop there because there is obviously a lot more we can say, but then the more we say, the more we give away. Uh, and I want to make sure that we leave it for you to experience it. So Joanne, what did you think of this movie? I actually like this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it was funny when we're one of the things that this movie is known for is jump scares. So be prepared. Right. And the thing is, is that I don't jump so much, but you jump a lot. Yeah. 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 Always. So, but it's not just jumping. It's also yelping. Well, like, that's, that's, oh my God, that's a jump scare. That's, so, what they're jump, that's what they're rare for. So for me, it was like, I internalized it where like, I could feel my heart like kind of skip a beat. But then it does it twice because you scream out about it. Right, because it's a jump scare. It's a scare that makes you jump. It's, like, it's actually in the definition of jump scare. So. But we did say that it was very familiar to Ring. Yeah, so yeah. there were some elements that were similar to Ring. And a lot of th people say it was similar to It Follows, the movie from 2015, yeah. um, which, if you might recall, is about an um, a entity 
that follows people around, and the only way to get rid of it is to actually have sex with somebody else. And uh, also a very good movie, but uh, that was what it was uh, actually originally compared to right. and but advertised think, as right. well. Right, but I think it has very uh, – but both movies has a similarity to The Ring. Absolutely. So going back to the OG, like, right. Ringu or The Ring definitely it is, was It is something like a virus that kind of – this entity needs something to pass it on continuously. Right, right. And you're trapped in this cycle. Well – so to speak. So to speak. Right. So to speak. There, there's elements here, though, I think that are interesting is that in some ways you, you could look at the movie as purely metaphorical. As and you definitely could. This is simply a metaphor right. of people working through trauma. Right. You know, mm-hmm. whether it be childhood trauma or current trauma or something that you've just experienced, it, it could be just a metaphor for how people address their own personal And trauma. the funny thing is, is like a lot of horror movies today, I feel like, can be taken that way. Is it actually horror or is it something psychological where you're dealing with some type of trauma Mm -hmm. where even though like in the movie, like someone might explain like, well, you know, A, B, and C happened and this is what, you know, you could explain that off as being something like more mental than it is actually physical. Right. That's true. All right. So let's get to what you like most and least here. So what did you like most about this movie? So the thing I liked, there's, there's three things I liked about this movie okay. the most. All right. So I, I couldn't have narrowed it down and I thought about it. But one, I liked, and I, I liked the entity. Mm-hmm. The, the portrayal of the entity, I liked that. Okay. I also liked the creepy smile. Yes, Because it was like very creepy. And if you saw the viral marketing, you would be like, what is going on? Well, so very I, I like that. Yeah. You know, it takes an everyday, and it, actually they do this, and this doesn't give anything away, but at one point she goes to a, a, a toy store, and in the window they show an old 1950s ad with the smiling people in it, mm. and it has some creepy similarities to the smile that these people have in the movie, and, and it does make you kind of say, oh, it's the ordinary made unordinary. Right, because everyone says, like, a smile is just brightens up the day. Yeah. But, like, does it really brighten up a day? Well, not these smiles. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> in, at some point, like, a bright smile can be very strange. Yes, in, in the wrong context, and I think that's what really makes in it... In any context. Well, I mean, but, but I'm saying that in... in the way that the reason why they make it so disturbing here is that the smile is contrasted with the situation. Right, but even if there was a good situation and someone started smiling, yeah, and then everyone else went about their day, and you're still like saw someone with that smile. Well, that, that's a good, but I'm saying that it's out of context, right? So if you're if it's you're smiling, day. it's smiling because you have a good thing happen to you. That's one thing. But you're smiling with was. Uh, you know, it, something good happened a long time ago. Well, I'm not even saying long time ago. I'm saying like five, two, like five two yeah, but minutes I'm saying ago. Yeah, you know, like, well, that, That's what makes something that's people like... People don't hold a smile Right, well, that's what I'm that saying. It's, it's, it's not normal, right? It's, it makes the ordinary unordinary. But anyway, so that being said, what did you... Uh, and this, wait, and this, I have a third one. Okay. And, and I liked Cal Penn in his very, in his role. Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was great. So I, I think what I like most about it was the integration of the music. You know, and, and I think I said this, like a lot of this was super creepy, but the music was perfectly tied into each scene. You did say that. And, and I thought that, you know, the scoring chords, the way they accentuated it, they made it just that much more creepy. And sometimes the scene they're showing you is not creepy at all, except for the music. So when you put it together, it was just a great uh, combination. The other thing I liked, uh, the unique 
filming angles they used. I know you said that. They you thought a, that was really interesting. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. They also like they hit they when they had the people, they used a lot of narrow shots. But when they used when they looked at objects, cars, things like that, they had very wide shots and they used very unique angles upside down, to the side, above. I, I thought that was kind of cool. It kind of kept you on your toes and made you really think about the scene. So what did you like least about the movie? The funny thing is, what I liked least is also what I liked, is one of the things I liked the most, okay. is Cal Penn. Oh. So, it's, and I mentioned this, I said, you know, it's weird to see him in this role. Right. And why I liked it the least is because, like, whenever he was finished with a scene, yeah. In my mind, I thought he was like, yeah, I'm going to do a doobie and go get some White Castle. Well, so, okay. But, and, but, but that's the, kind of something Cal Penn has to deal with. Yes. So that's what, but that's why I liked it the least because for some reason, I don't know why, I just kept thinking like, why is Cal Penn in this movie? Like, why is he doing a horror movie? And it just brought me back to like, you know, his younger Cal Penn years when he was, you know, more in a comedic role. Right. So I think like the dichotomy made yeah. you. Yeah. It's not make, that he didn't do a good job. It's just that I just was like, oh. Well, I don't think that made. Off. I didn't make things that made the movie bad though. No, I, mean, I, I don't think it made it bad. I'm just saying for me, that's what I picked. Okay. Well, what so, I liked, what I liked least was, um, it's interesting because I, I like the jump scares least. Really, I thought you liked them. I love them, and if I didn't like them because I kind of felt like. It was a little bit cheap to add that. I think it was scary enough, just the atmosphere they created. I disagree. I think the jump scares added a lot. Oh, I know, but I hated being jump scared, and I love being jump scared. You know what I mean? But they kind of felt like they really used it a lot. They actually did not use it as much. There was a lot of it in the movie, but, like, I think it was well-positioned. Okay, well, because Because it was, like we said, you know, was it actually you know, the horror, or was it her psychosis? And I thought, like, they interspersed it well enough that it wasn't that cheap effect that we see in, like, you know, the 80s, like, horror movie. Well, so. I, I, don't th- I think it was very effective, what they did, uh, for sure. So, all right, so let's give it your scare meter. Out of 10, what do you have here? So, I have not gone above 5 for the scare meter. Yep. But I'm going to give this one a seven. Yeah, me too. I gave it a seven oh, as well. Did you really? I thought it was, oh, I thought it was okay. very, very creepy. All right. And before we get to the star rating, let me just say um, on Tomato Meter, 79% positive uh, by critics, 175 reviews. That's pretty good. And audience score, also 78%, with 2,500 plus verified ratings. So uh, clearly, an enjoyable movie, and critics also liked it. Critics' consensus was deeply creepy visuals and a standout Susie Bacon further elevates Smile's unsettling exploration of trauma, adding up to the rare feature that satisfyingly expands on a short. And then the audience says, uh, you may need to pay close attention in order to keep up with the story, but fans of slow-burning horror should leave Smile with a grin. Ah, clever. All right, so that's what we got there. Um, let's give you a star rating here out of four. Three. All right, me too. What do you know? Yeah. We're really uh, in sync today. I have stars. And I, we did not do this ahead no, of time. No, we, we, definitely, don't know, we definitely. We don't know our ratings. No, we don't tell each other's ratings. So that was uh, surprising. Exactly the same. So Scary Meter 7, stars 3 out of 4. All right, that's Smile 2022 movie on Paramount Plus, available for streaming now. Check it out. I think it's a, a worthwhile. Definitely, yeah. Worthwhile stream. All right, so let's. that's all we got on that part. And it's time to hit the boxing bell and move on to the next part of our show. And that is 
the NFL player prospects that we dare to make in week 11. And again, we're trying to do better than we did last week, folks. So let's go ahead and get started. Who's your first pick? Uh, Davian Pierce, uh, running back for the Houston Texas and Texans. And he is 77.5 rushing yards. And I picked the under. The under? Wow. Yes. Okay. I know. It was, it's very surprising. But Damian Pierce has been an essential part of the Houston offense, which is why to say under is, you know, maybe not the way to go. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have to ride the uh, Washington, Washington Commandant's wave. Commandant. It's the commanders that we heard him call the Commandant on another him. podcast. It was, on the last, it was on the last podcast on the left. They so, had mentioned they called it the Commandants, and we kind of stuck. Kind someone of stuck. called them the Commandants, and I'm like, why did they not call them the Commandants? It was the last podcast. I know. Yeah. I, I know. But okay. I'm just saying, why did Washington not think to call know, them the Commandants? I know. I, know, I, know. I just, I love it. All right. So. But regardless, but we're going to, I'm going to ride the uh, the Commander's wave. Okay. Uh, Pierce has only three games that this season that are under uh, 77.5 rushing yards. So okay. you might think, like, this bet is, like, totally crazy. Like, why would I want to do this? Yep. But Washington is the 12th defense against the run game this uh-huh. uh, season in the league. Okay. With uh, 111.3 as an average. Uh-huh. But And you might be like, yeah, so that should say I should bet the over. Well, let's hold that on that. Okay. Because Washington has won the last four out of the five games that they've played. And in those games, they have held teams to under 77.5. I mean, like, so last week, the Eagles, Miles Mm -hmm. Sanders was held to 54 rushing yards. Mm -hmm. And Jalen Hurts, who has run over everybody, was held to 28 rushing yards. I mean, And then before that, Minnesota, Delvin Cook was held to 47 rushing yards. Yep. Jonathan Taylor was held to 76, which is still under 77.5. True. And Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon was held to 23 and 15 rushing yards, respectively, during their game. All right. So the bottom line is, is that I'm not saying Damian Pierce is not a good running back. He is an excellent running back. Probably rookie of the year in terms of running back. Great this year. But I am going to put my money on the Washington defense which has been better than Damian Pierce. Okay. Their determination and their defense this year, especially the, uh, you know, well, like now, in the past, now. Few, they, they in the past few weeks. Right. In the past, like, few weeks, they have just, for some reason, I don't know what it is, they have just stepped it up. Okay. And they are riding this wave. And I hope this doesn't jinx them because I really don't want to. Okay. Because I really... I, I want the Commandants to go far. But they're, so, to, but they're in the same division as the Giants. They are, but let's face it, like, you know. The, the Giants are doing better. The Giants are the Giants are doing better, and I don't want to take anything away from them. And, right. and you know, in my heart, you know, like, I want to say that, like, you know, the Giants, you know, could take this pretty far. But, like, something in my head tells me they're, they're not going to. Okay. Uh, but, like... For some strange reason, like, you know, maybe Washington, like, Washington can do something. And it and the thing is, is that this season, it is really about this underdog teams that have really been, like, hitting it out of the park. Like, you just would not think that they would be doing as well as they are. Okay. So, uh, so regardless, like, nothing against Damian Pierce. I love him. He's on my fantasy team. I always wanted to score big because double digits is the way to go. But I, I just have to think, like, you know, against this Washington defense, like, 
as of late, it's it's going to be hard for him to, you know, put up more than 77.5 rushing yards. All right, so that is Damian Pierce with the under on 77.5 rushing yards. So my first pick is also rushing yards, but it's the quarterback. It's Justin Fields, of course. Uh, I, Justin Fields has an over-under prop of 69.5 rushing yards. Um, so I am going to take the over for Justin Fields and 69.5 rushing yards against the Atlanta Falcons. So being a Bears fan, obviously it's been awesome to see Justin Fields kind of break out. But the primary reason why he's broken out is because of the increase in designed runs. Okay, the fact is that the offense is starting to design the offense around his his abilities, and that means more designed runs. In week nine, he had 178 rush yards against the Dolphins. That's an NFL record for most rush yards by a quarterback in a regular season game ever, ever. And then in week 10, he had 147 rush yards against the Lions. He set a record for most rush yards from designed runs. Um, I don't see any reason why that will change in week 11. He's averaging 74.9 rush yards per game over the last, uh, over the, uh, all 10 games of the season. The Falcons allow 119.4 rush yards per game. Khalil Herbert has been placed on IR last week, so that means one less person to get carries. Justin Fields is almost certainly going to go over 69.5 total rush yards this weekend against the Atlanta Falcons. And he's been doing a great job. I mean, he's really been able to read that defensive line and take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, and I got to give it to him. Like, I really hope him a lot of success and that he continues to do what he's doing. And he's been great at passing the ball as well. But that's an, a whole nother prop bet. So yeah. I'm taking the over on Justin Fields, 69.5 rushing yards against the Atlanta Falcons. What's your second pick? Uh, my second pick is Matt Jones. He is the quarterback for the New England Patriots, and it is 203.5 passing yards, and I took the under. The under, okay. The under. All right. So I'm going to go with this theory that the underdogs have really been taking it this season. Okay. You know, give or take. But these teams that you did not think were going to do as well have just been really surprising, and I think the Jets are one of them. Uh-huh. So new, so the Jets are going to New England this this Sunday, um, and Mac Jones had a great season to start. I mean, the first three games, he had 786 passing yards, mm-hmm. like the first three games. And he was a quarterback on my fantasy team, so I was, like, really happy to, you know, see that. And that is where it peaked and ended. Mm-hmm. So the last three games, he's had a total of 354 passing yards. Over, that is uh, total over three games. Over three mm-hmm. games. That's abysmal. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he is just like failing me. Well, in, in all honesty, but to be fair, one of those games he was pulled. Right? He was pulled, yes. And But like, let's be honest, like he was still in it for the others and he just could not match the first three weeks. I don't know really what had changed, what was different, mm-hmm. but it just was not the same. So... Um, the last time the New England Patriots met the Jets at MetLife, mm-hmm. uh, the like uh, Josh Allen only had a hundred and ninety. I'm sorry, Josh Allen. I was like, whoa. Um, Mac Jones. <laughs> Mac they Jones traded for Josh Allen. What the heck's going on here? <laughs> Mac right. Jones had a total of 194 passing yards. Okay. And he was sacked six times, loss of 33 yards. Mm-hmm. That's way under. Mm-hmm. And I said Josh Allen because it was in my notes because the last game that the Jets played was against Josh Allen, mm-hmm. and. He had 205 passing yards, was like five times for a loss of 22 yards. I right. mean, it's just, I just don't see Mac Jones exceeding Josh Allen. 
Okay. I just don't see that happening. Okay. So 203.5 total passing yards. I just don't see that happening. All right. Take the, the under. The Jets are the ninth best defense in the league against the pass. I mean, it's let's face it. Like Mac Jones, like I thought he had a lot of potential, but this year he's really not showing it. Okay. So taking the under there for Mac Jones. So I am going, my last pick is another rushing yard prop and I'm taking Saquon Barkley here. His over under bet is 93.5 rushing yards against the Detroit lions. I am taking the over on 93.5 rushing yards of the Detroit Lions. I'm going to say that's pretty brave. Bar- 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 Barkley is crushing it. Are you kidding me? He's crushing it. He is it. crushing it. And, and, you know, and I don't see why he's not going to do it again. Now, Barkley gets the league's second worst run defense this week against Detroit after shredding the Texans last week with 152 rushing yards. You know, Detroit is allowing running backs an average of 161 yards per game. And and Barkley gets every carry, essentially every carry for the New York Giants. So, I mean, listen, I don't want to overthink this. I mean, the fact of the matter is that he's on a roll. He's crushing it. Giants win when he runs. He put up 152 yards against the Texans last week, and the um, Detroit Lions allow 161 yards per game. I just don't see how he doesn't reach 93.5 rush yards. I mean, as a side note, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the under in that. So, really, a ninety-three point five rushing yards for the for Saquon Barkley? Uh, yeah. I give the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Well, that's in, that's see, that I, seems crazy. I, I I know, like I just I feel like he's not gonna reach ninety-four. What? Yeah. D- Detroit loud. Um, I mean, just said Detroit loud. Justin Fields to run one hundred forty-seven yards. I know, but week. that's Justin Fields because they're just like so discombobulated. Okay. But, well, I'm taking the over on ninety-three point five rushing yards against the Detroit Lions with Saquon Barkley. That is my second pick, and that brings us to the end of the show. Let's hit the air horn on the show there. Okay, Joanne, why don't you give us your uh, your social media so people can follow you? It's at Kongfu for you at Twitter. All right, and give her a follow and let her know what you think about our picks because, you know. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm fifty fifty. Hey. Yeah, and of course, if you dare to make those bets. <laughs> well, if you dare to bet against Saquon, you're going to be very unhappy this week. That's nonsense. But anyway, as usual, thank you all for listening and wasting time with us. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time or at, on uh, Facebook at the Football Garbage Time page. Until next time, watch those horror movie scares, make those NFL prior prop bet dares, and enjoy your NFL week. Bye, everyone. Good luck. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.